bow our heads and pray, and we're going to jump right into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you are doing here, what you are, uh, how you're fulfilling your Word in that your Word never returns void. You capture the hearts of those you purpose to save. And uh, we thank you for your grace, your grace that's not just uh, you winking an eye at what we've done, but your grace that pursues us relentlessly and captures us and, and keeps us and preserves us until the day of your return, God. Thank you that we get to experience and, and, and uh, just respond to your grace, Lord. And God, as you bless us here at Relevant, we pray for all the other churches that are preaching your gospel, that your word may penetrate the hearts of all those who are gathered this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone says... Amen. Amen. Everybody has Christmas traditions and Christmas uh, uh, rituals that you do as a family, as, as a people. Uh, when you go to uh, different parts of the world, you discover that everybody has that one thing that they'll do. If you're in a place where there's snow, there's nothing, there's snowmen everywhere. And like, you know, people are making snow angels. That's what I remember of my childhood growing up in Michigan about Christmas. So snow and all kinds of things. Now I love California because uh, I get to have a warm brown Christmas. Amen. I don't have to worry about driving in snow, uh, falling in the snow. Slipping and I love this type of Christmas, so I'm never leaving. Amen. But um, uh, as, as a child, I, I remember growing up at Christmas, and, and we grew up, uh, I grew up pretty, you know, poor. You know, anybody know what it's like to grow up when you're, you don't have all the little trimmings that everyone expects at Christmas, right? Uh, when my family first migrated from Africa to the United States, it, we were in financial uh, tightness, if you will. And, and uh, my mom and my dad would try to make Christmas fun by, by uh, dressing up as weird Santas. I mean, it was like a ghetto version of Santa. I'm like, you're not Santa. Santa wears red. What are you wearing? It's like an African print, you know, shirt. <laughs> what kind of Santa are you, you know? But would make it fun. And my, my youngest sister is 18 years younger than I, and she has had the Christmas, the American Christmas. You know, it's like I grew up in good times. She grew up in the Huxtables or something, you know, so whole different world. But we had all these different rituals, these traditions, and, and my wife and I are looking forward this year to, to starting a new tradition. It's called ha- being in labor at Christmas. Uh, and uh, so as a family, we're going to have our own traditions you know, the thing about the holidays is that sometimes as you're going through the traditions and the rituals of what you do in order to celebrate the feast, you sometimes lose the point of the feast. Uh, I, I love Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving because I'm still in my stupor from eating like, you know, 30 pounds of turkey and trimmings and all that kind of stuff. But I love the day after because at, at about uh, Friday around 9 o'clock on YouTube, you can find all the Black Friday uh, stampedes and wrestling matches, UFC fights that took place at Walmart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's amazing. I mean, these people, uh, some of them go to this church, I won't mention names, but they'll go to Walmart and wrestle over a, a printer. And, and, and I had some video, but it, it didn't work out the um, uh, team there. But I had some video footage that I've seen of people who, who lose the meaning of the feast. Oh, there it goes. But you guys can't see it, though. All right. 
You can see enough. All right. I mean, that's a stampede. People are rushing in. I mean, Thanksgiving is about being thankful, and these people are rushing in to get, 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 and get some more. Now, you guys didn't have some. Crazy. (laughs) Missing it all. Losing the point of the feast. In the middle of the feasting and the fun, we can lose our joy. We can lose our focus. And what I'd like to uh, submit to you is that the enemy's biggest, his biggest way of, of getting at us is not through temptation. Because, you know, we can pray that, Lord, please keep us from temptation and, and protect us and all that kind of stuff. And so if you're on the lookout for temptation, you might miss it because the way that the enemy will get to you is not through temptation but through distraction. If he can get you distracted, if he can get you off the point of what it is that, that you're supposed to be celebrating, then he can get you. We can get lost in the feast. Lost in the, in the celebration, lost in the rituals, not realizing what the point of the feast is all about. Luke chapter 2 tells us that, 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 that Jesus' family had a tradition. Every year, as a family, they'd go to Jerusalem, they'd, they'd leave Nazareth and, and travel, probably about three days worth of traveling, and go to Jerusalem there were three big feasts that took place in the, in the Jewish culture back then, and, 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 and Passover was the biggest one of them. This was the one that made the year, okay? You, you got, those of you who are in retail know what I'm talking about. There are certain times of the year that, that, that the economy and, and, the, and the sales are made during that part of the year, during that part of the feast. Christmas sales make the year. The last quarter sales make the year. People are more generous. People are more willing to spend at the last part of the year because of the feast. Same thing was happening in Jesus' day. The Passover was the time when if you were a merchant of some sort, that's what you looked forward to. You you may have had a bad first quarter, bad third quarter, but, but if you only could make it to the Passover, all the people, all the Jewish people from all over would be in Jerusalem and you could sell your wares. So verse 41 of Luke chapter 2 reads like this. says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended and they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Verse 41 says, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And now Jesus is 12 years old. He's what they consider a child of the law because he's in that preteen period where the next year he'll be able to, to participate in all the temple activities. And so this is his last year as a child. Now he's He's transitioning into into manhood. And so this is an important part of of his life. And so he goes to the feast with his family according to their custom, according to their ritual, according to their tradition. They go up to Jerusalem for this feast. Uh, Have you ever, like, gone to the mall or gone to the grocery store, maybe it was Costco or something, and, and, and you had all these groceries that you'd been shopping, and, and you're with little Timmy, and, and somehow as you're putting your, your groceries back into the car, you forget little Timmy on the cart, and you drive home. 
have you ever like, you know, gotten in the car and you, and you know that you forgot something? You're like, oh my goodness, what did we forget? And your, your child is still in the house. Or you're in the car, you're coming back from somewhere, and, and they're asleep in the back seat, and you, you get everything, all your belongings, you close the door, you lock it up, you go inside the house, you're like, where's, where's your husband? Jesus and his family have been at the feast. They've, they've, they've been celebrating at this feast. This feast would last seven days. Maybe they were there for two days. Who knows? But they were a part of this feast, this Passover feast. And, and, and point number one that I'd like you to, to, to get is this, is this, is that it only takes a moment to lose Jesus in the feast. It only takes a moment to lose Jesus in the feast. They didn't lose their love for Jesus. They didn't lose their commitment to their son. They didn't lose their faith and their, and their, and their uh, uh, compassion towards him. But somewhere in the feasting, somewhere in the festivities, somewhere in, in all that was going on, they lost Jesus. Who loses Jesus? Now, some of you come from traditions that, that um, uh, teach that, you know, Mary was sinless. Um, I have a verse for you. Surely a, a parent that, that forgets their child for three days should be called by CPS. I mean, if this was today's day, I mean, like, you know, truly, somebody would have called someone. They're at the Passover feast. The Passover feast was a celebration of how God had delivered Israel out of Egypt. And, and, and they would celebrate by having a Passover lamb. And, and, and this feast that they were celebrating was, was really a, a, a picture of what God would do through Jesus. So, so they're at this feast that's about Jesus, at this feast that's for Jesus, at this feast in which Jesus would fulfill in his life, in his ministry, and they have forgotten Jesus. Who does that? It's like going to someone's birthday party, having a good time, enjoying yourself, but never greeting the birthday boy or birthday girl. They lost Jesus in the feast. I, I've told the story before. I, Pauline and I, we were, we were getting married, and we had done all the planning. Actually, I had done all the planning. Uh, <laughs> She, uh, she was living in, in, in San Bernardino, and I was living in Phoenix. And so because the wedding was going to be in Phoenix, I had to do all the planning. And uh, I believe it's a deterrent to divorce because I never want to plan another wedding. <laughs> <laughs> but we had, been, we, had, we had all these people who were coming in from all out of town. And, and a, a couple days before the wedding, we had a, a, uh, a, a feast at our home, a rehearsal dinner where we invited about 200 of our friends and we we're having this party at our house, at my house rather. And, and in the middle of all that, I saw Pauline and I, and I went to her and I was like, hey, let's go for a walk real quick. Let's, let's sneak out for a second. And so we sneak out and we're walking outside and I, I, I look at her face and, I, and it's a face that I know. I'm familiar with this face that she's giving because it's the face of, brother, you're in trouble and we need to talk. <laughs> so I, I was like, you know what? We're about to get married. I need to preemptively begin these conversations and not let, wait for her to bring it up. 
So I said, babe, um, you seem to be troubled. Is there something bothering you? And she looked at me and she said, I don't feel like you love me. On the inside, this is what's happening. What are you talking about, woman? Do you know how much money we're spending? Look at the ring on your finger. Are you crazy? I've seen this on TV before. Lifetime channel, I hate you. I hate you, Lifetime channel. But on the outside, I was like, babe, how can you say that? You have to filter sometimes. Point number two, one point three, you know. And she said, I feel as if we're, there's so much going on and, and, and it's like as if you don't really know that I'm here. Somewhere in our preparation, in our celebration, in our enjoying all the festivities of what was to happen, we had lost each other. I had gotten busy with the details of planning and putting things together and, and, and the people who were all around, the friends and, and family that had come in. I was busy with them. And the point of, of, of my wedding, my bride, I had neglected. And I would say she did, neglected her groom too, but... She's not here to defend herself. (laughs) Distraction is the enemy's biggest tool. If it can get you to lose focus, more than temptation, if it can just get you to lose focus, if it can get you off course just a little bit, he will then steal the joy and the fulfillment and the peace that the feast is all about, that God wants you to enjoy and experience. You guys with me this morning? We try to find joy in everything that surrounds Christmas. You can go and do a survey and ask people, what is Christmas all about? And they'll tell you it's about family. It's about getting together. It's about a day off. It's about getting presents. It's about all these different things. It's about about the end of the year. And and rarely will you find someone who will tell you that the, the point of Christmas is in the name. It's a mass for Christ. We miss the point. Point number one, it only takes a moment to lose Jesus in the feast. Text says, when the feast was ended, verse 43, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing, everyone say supposing. But supposing him to be in the group. You know, uh, there, there's a saying that, I, I, that, that we used to say back in Michigan. It says that when you assume, you, you make it, uh, I won't say it here because maybe you, can, you guys don't have that, that saying in, in, in the West Coast. All right? Assumption leads to a place where you, you, you don't necessarily, uh, you make a donkey of yourself. But supposing The text says, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. That is, that's, what kind of parents do that? A day's journey. I mean, that's like traveling from from Riverside all the way to Oakland and not knowing your your kids with you. I can get like a five-minute drive and like, oh, where's Timmy? I guess we, we left him at the grocery store. But getting all the way to San Francisco and you don't know where Jesus is? But supposing they made the assumption that I don't have to worry about who has Jesus because Jesus is with Mary, Joseph said. 
And Mary's like, I don't have to worry about where Jesus is. It's because Jesus is with Joseph. And maybe the cousins and the, and the other people are like, you know, somebody has Jesus here. And we can enter into this Christmas season enjoying the feast and supposing that it's okay because grandma has Jesus. It's okay because it's, my, my wife, my wife, she, she's, she goes to church every week. I go every other week. She has Jesus. My pastor, surely he has Jesus, even though he almost said that word in church. (laughs) Making the assumption that someone else has Jesus. It only takes a moment to lose Jesus in the feast. Point number two, we should never assume Jesus. She never make the assumption. Just because you're, you're part of the feast, just because you, you, you get the presents, just because you, you know the songs and can sing a couple of them pretty well, and, and maybe you may forget verse number two, but at least you know verse one and three, because that's how the Baptists did it. As long as you know a little bit of that, you're good. And the thing is this, is that the feast will mean nothing to you unless you know the point of the feast for yourself. It says that they they supposed that he was in the group and they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the relatives and the acquaintances. Verse 45, it says, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. They returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Can I give you something that's for free? I just kind of just jumped out at me. You know, sometimes you read the text and it becomes 90-point font. This is for free. This is just for this service. You can get pretty far along in your journey and not have Jesus with you. You can look the part, act the part, Pretend the part, and there's no Jesus there. You've got to embrace him and, and, and know him for yourself. Keep him for yourself. Pursue him for yourself. Find him for yourself because you can, you can just because you grew up in America, Christian country, and all that kind of stuff, you can just assume that he's there with you, and you've left him long ago. Or maybe he's never been with you. Back to the text. They returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Asking questions. Point number three. First point was, it only takes a moment to lose Jesus. Point number two was what? You shouldn't assume Jesus. Point number three, sometimes it takes effort to find him in the feast. One moment of negligence, one moment of of losing focus, one moment of distraction took three days to find him again. 
What I want to challenge you this Christmas is, is to, to, to take the time and the effort to find him. Maybe it'll, he'll get trapped in, in the caroling and the trees and the ornaments and all the different things that maybe happen in the Christmas specials, the programs at school with the kids, the rushing around, the sales at the store, and, and the dinners, and the gathering with the friends and the family, and all the different things, all the depression that will take place during the season. Maybe, maybe he'll get lost because you'll wallow in what was last year that isn't this year. And while you're in the middle of that, I challenge you to take the three days journey to find him. To make the special effort to look for him in the feast. And what you'll find is that he's right where he's supposed to be. The text says that they searched for him in Jerusalem and found him in the temple. Found him in the temple teaching and sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Verse 47 says, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. I, I don't know if they were really astonished. Uh, I, my wife is Middle Eastern. Um, my parents are African. And when you've, you've been looking for your kid for three days... You have different words to describe what you <laughs> feel when you see them, and that they're just sitting there chilling. Oh, hi, Mom. <laughs> How are you? I've just been. <laughs> Dino knows what I'm talking about. He's like, oh, yeah, Latino mama. <laughs> Mija, where have you been? <laughs> you know, it's like this whole nother story, man. Text says that they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. No. Boy, where have you been? What's the matter? We almost died. I almost killed Joseph. I almost did. Are you serious right now? You're sending me to an early grave? Watch Jesus' response. Jesus is like, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Why are you searching for me? Don't you know that the place that I belong is right here? I must be in my father's house. I didn't get lost. You lost me. I know where I'm supposed to be. Where have you been? And, and there's, there's something deep and, and gospel-centered about the, the, what happens next year in that Jesus has just declared to his mom, he's like, listen, I, this is where I belong, in this temple, in this place here. This is my father's house. Now, to a Jewish uh, child at that, at that age or in that time frame to say that God is their father, that's great revelation that, that Jesus has about who he is himself because nobody was supposed to call God their own father. But here, Jesus, the boy, the 12-year-old, is saying, Mom, Joseph is a nice dude. My father's house is where I'm supposed to be. I'm right where I belong. Here's the gospel. The text says, 
and they did not understand the saying, he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. They did not understand or perceive or comprehend the things that he said to them. His response was to leave Jerusalem, leave the temple, and go down to Nazareth and submit himself to them. Jerusalem is the center of the Jewish world. The temple is their prized possession. That is the place where God can be worshipped, where sacrifices can be made, where, where sins can be forgiven is in the temple. That's where you long to go to. That's where you make a pilgrimage to. And that's where Jesus says that this is where I belong. And furthermore than that, I, I believe that he's probably saying something deeper. He's saying in the temple, in the courts of the temple, that's where I'm supposed to be because where I come from, angels worship me 24-7. There are elders who sing, holy, 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 holy to me. This is where I belong. And the gospel is that Jesus disrobed himself of all glory Knowing his place, I belong here in a seat where I am worshipped. But I will descend. I will go down to an insignificant place and submit myself to humanity. This is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about a God who leaves his place of worship, his rightful place, and comes down to our Nazareth and submits to us his life. That by believing in what he accomplishes, you and I may experience his life. May this Christmas be a Christmas where we don't lose the point of the feast. We don't lose the one who's to be worshipped through the feast. May Jesus be the cornerstone of your celebration. May he be the, the, the apex and, the, and, and the, in, the complete standard of your entire gift giving and your gift receiving and your singing and your worshiping. May you eat to the Lord. May you celebrate. May you gather as family because of Jesus, not because of family. May you celebrate the fact that he knew his place. He was never lost. We were the ones who were lost. We were the ones who were distracted. We were the ones who made assumptions. May we make the effort to find him and to celebrate his descent from heaven in the humblest of forms and worship him for who he is. Let's pray. 
Lord, there are so many opportunities for us to be distracted this season, to lose focus. And then lose you in it all. God, I ask that you would equip us and empower us by your spirit to make the effort to be found in you this season. And Lord, as we are in this place right now, perhaps there's some some who've been assuming a relationship with you, assuming a knowledge of you. I ask that your spirit right now would would speak gently to them, whisper gently to them, and pull them close to you so that this relationship that they have with you is no longer an assumption, but something that is substance. I ask that they turn to you right now. And for the rest of us who who believe and call upon your name, Lord, I ask that you give us a newfound focus as we celebrate you and your descent to this earth, your first advent. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 